I'm very glad I told the story last night, or I recalled the image for you of uh, the Buddha sitting on the night of his enlightenment. I'm sure you remember that I said that um, he was able to not only sit poised and at ease, assaulted by things that ordinarily might inspire in people a reaction of fear, a reaction of lust, a reaction that one way or another would stir up confusion in his mind. And he had uh, absolutely unshakable poise, no confusion. And he knew that he could be there and not be vulnerable to those disturbances and be at ease in the middle of them. It's as if he knew what he was to announce as what he had discovered afterwards, that it's possible to be in this life, in the midst of a life that beguiles and distresses, and to live in it with poise and respond to it out of a place of ease and equanimity. Not by not being touched by what goes on, but not feeling an imperative to respond to being touched by what goes on. Being able to respond out of a choice. In a certain way, it's, a, it's valuable to think I, 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 of all of the Brahma-viharas, of all of these extraordinary states, as being the ability to respond out of wisdom. Especially yesterday, I was noticing uh, in in the questions about uh, in all these different kinds of situations, what how should I choose to do either metta or mudita or compassion? And I want to say actually that I think they're all the same thing. On one, the the common denominator of all of them is they are the response of the warm heart to the situation at hand that when the heart is cordial, warm, um, touchable, uh, available, available is a good word. Imagine we're walking around with big hearts and we're available. And here come people, even people we don't know, but people who seem not in a, in a uh, particularly startling state, we could, without knowing them, wish them well. May you be well. May you feel safe. May you feel happy. May you feel content. May you feel strong. May you live with ease. Any of those things, because we would like them also. And they're the things that all people would like. They're not highly charged, because the situation is not highly charged. And we, when we meet people, or we meet a situation where all of a sudden we come up, we're driving down the freeway and we suddenly find that there are emergency vehicles on the freeway and people being put into ambulances or a motorcycle over on its side. And you feel, ah, oh, and you get startled by it. And the, you don't have to think to yourself, what should I do now? Spontaneously, you think to yourself, I hope those people are all right. You think, goodness, they left this morning or they left their work today and they thought they'd be home and now they won't. Life is so complicated really important to have this moment free because you never know. So there's wisdom in every moment 
wisdom available, and the warm-hearted response, may they be all right, may things go well, may their family be comforted. You don't have to decide to think that, you do. Because that's what people do when their heart is available. When you see something great, you see uh, someone wins at Wimbledon, and it's somebody that you wanted to win. You feel really excited for them. We see somebody that you wanted to win and they lose, and you feel really moved for them. Mostly if they win and they're all excited about it, you feel really excited. Like you personally did that also, because you wish them on. And especially if you didn't mean to be a tennis pro and accidentally you didn't in your life. If you wanted to be a tennis pro and then this person is not only a pro but winning at Wimbledon, you'd think, well, that's great, but, you know, I wonder if I could have done that too. Everybody does that too. You know, if a friend calls, it's your best friend and they just had three good newses in three areas. They have a new partner, a new job, and a new bill of good health. And in one of those departments, you'd like an improvement as well, you know. (laughs) You're excited for them, but you didn't forget that you have that also. You're not supposed to. And a warm heart has a warm heart both ways. It really, really wishes them well. And it really, really thinks to itself, you know, bummer, I wish I had that too, but it's not my time. You know, that, that, that's what you do if the mind is reasonably poised. It not only tells you what I feel and what I feel for them, which could be slightly different, yay, and sweetheart. We feel both of those things. And at the same time, you don't get knocked over by it or blown away by it. That's what it means to be human. I wouldn't want to go along all the time. Equanimity actually doesn't mean going along all the time. It's just fine. Things pick us up and things um, distress us. And we continue through them with feeling and with poise. Really, that's what it is. And so really, what we're doing all the time in practicing any of the Brahma-viharas is we're practicing keeping our mind poised. So all of those things... When we think in our minds, I'm excited for you. May you enjoy your good fortune. May I have some too sometime. Everybody has whatever they have, whenever they have it. That's the way it is. May we both be happy. May you continue to thrive. We say things that keep the mind poised. They're, we, we think to feel them or think to express them in one way or another because that was, that's what comes out of a poised mind. And in the coming out of the poised mind that way, the mind stays poised because it hasn't, it hasn't not told itself. It's told itself everything. If you don't let yourself know, oh, I feel a little bit jealous, then actually you won't be completely present for a mindful next moment because you've got a secret. Say, great for you. I hope that happens to me too. That kid, that, you, no, you don't have any secrets. And you have said something really genuine in your mind for them, enjoying their success, and you've kept your own heart aware, I hear you. Into that, human beings are amazing.
So you've known all along that um, the trajectory of this practice is to come to what we are now calling the difficult person. It's so interesting uh, because difficult person is a, a very politically correct way to say what it says in the in the original texts, where it says, "What if you think of your enemy, or what if you meet your enemy?" But enemy is not such a PC term, especially since many of our enemies are our mothers or our fathers. <laughs> and the truth is, though, that the mind is not PC. So uh, we can say it as much as we want outside, <laughs> but if there is somebody who has really done you some really significant harm in your life, when that person comes into your mind, your mind does not say, oh, here comes my difficult person. It says, <laughs> it says, it doesn't. The mind gets all clenched up, eek, enemy. I mean, that's how the neurology works. It's not nuanced. You've had that all along, on, on all this whole week that we've been here, if not on, on li- even on uh, inanimate, uh, pl- uh, pleasant and unpleasant, eat broccoli again. You know, that it's a, you know, there's a negative, aversive feeling in the mind. And what we're really doing is we are alerting ourselves. It's actually the second foundation of mindfulness. The mind meets pleasant and unpleasant. And noticing that, I said, oh, broccoli, unpleasant. I don't like that. Uh, Fooey. Okay, relax. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Take a breath. You'll be fine. And we balance the mind back. It's not that, well, it is different from thinking about people in your life who've been difficult, but it's, it's fundamentally, it's noticing the mind become upset about with pleasant or unpleasant arising. If I think of my best friends, my mind is buoyed up. If I think about somebody that it's not buoyed up by. And so fundamentally, I think the real, the key practice in equanimity, um, in meeting the difficult person and bringing them into the mind, I think we do that on so many levels. It's such a crucial part of practice. For one, if if we have actually have had significant people by that we've felt harmed by in this life, it's very hard to really heal from that. And the people who have had significant trauma in their life know that you don't do it all in one time or in one minute or in one exercise. That it takes time and going over and going over and the passage of more time and really reacquainting yourself with that, the idea of that person and the idea of that trauma so that we can think about it without the mind startling so much. Eventually the mind is able to say, you know what, that happened. It was really unpleasant. I wish it hadn't, but it did. And not be destabilized by it feel bad for yourself, but not destabilized by the bad. Even eventually, sometimes, the mind is able to say, everyone does what they do because they couldn't do other. 
And sometimes the mind is able really to forgive without any problem. It just forgives because it's too painful to not forgive. So as you go through today practicing, um, first of all, I think it's a good idea not necessarily to look for the most dramatic um, difficult situations you've had in your life. Or you could if you want, because we did the, the, found the forgiveness practice with Larry the other night. You probably thought about people in your life that you haven't quite forgiven. You decide. When we sit now, don't necessarily start with that. Spend some minutes sitting with yourself. Sit with yourself. Wish yourself well. In any way that you know, with whatever rubric you know to recite in your mind, see if you can make your mind and body feel poised and at ease. Sit that way a little bit. You decide how you're going to do it. You've been practicing all week. You have all this experience with the benefactors that make you feel stronger, the best beloveds that make you feel stronger. You can invite them into your mind and then let them go. And if you want to, then think of someone who's in the category of difficult person near or of long ago or in your life. Really, really be attentive, particularly. And that's why it's good to spend some significant time really settling and um, settling and maintaining your mind in poise. It's really important to Acquaint yourself with the nuance of what the mind does, what the body does, when it invites in anyone. You think of yourself or your benefactor. Feel the little leap up in your heart when you think of the benefactor. Feel the lilt in your heart and mind when you think of your best beloved. I hope you can feel a lilt in your mind when you think of yourself lovingly. And really stay attentive to what happens in your mind as you invite into it a difficult person. Really. Monitor your own mind and heart That's the only thing, the only tool we have to work with. It's really the part of us, our own minds and hearts, that we are working on developing the poise to be with every kind of situation with balance and warm-heartedness. I find sometimes it's very um, important for me if my mind is not startles at all. If 
My mind startles it all when I think of my difficult people now or then. To really respond to that startle with good wishes for myself. Because sincerely, that's what I feel. Whoa, you've been startled. Take a breath, sweetheart, you can do this. Take another breath. May I feel safe and content, strong, at ease. And then again, whenever you want to, invite in the thought of the person. Stay attentive to your mind. If it doesn't startle, you'll figure out what to say, how to bless that moment. So we'll sit. 